Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Alrighty. Um, I reckon if I wasn't married... You don't know where this is going. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> and that's my talk. <laughs> I reckon if I, if I wasn't married, I don't think I would ever buy new clothes. Like, I think I would just forget to. It's not really on my radar. And, um, like, everything I wear, it's just Jasmine's like, here, wear this. I'm like, great. We have a system. It works. Um... Although I picked this wolf T-shirt myself. Because hey, I felt some kind of connection. No. Anyway. No. <laughs> Maybe you can, Noah. Um, but, like, honestly, like, until even very recently, there was, like, all these... Yeah, let's fix that. Um, all these, like, clothes in my wardrobe that I'd had since I was a teenager when I was much thinner, shall we say. And like, um, and if you put on old clothes that fit you when you're a teenager and then you wear them now, they look a bit weird. They look a bit silly. Have a think. Like, what do you think was the worst thing you wore as a teenager? There's like a phase, isn't there? Like 13, 14, you're not, you're not quite sure what looks nice. <laughs> And you get a slogan T-shirt from JJ's <laughs> and your track pants. And it's just not a thing. Anyway. Well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, well that ruins that. No, it's <laughs> good. But, um, but like when a, when a grown adult wears clothes that, um, that they used to wear as a teenager, it just looks a bit weird. It looks a bit off um, because they should be wearing something newer, not something older. And sometimes as Christians, the way we look is a bit weird as well because we've been given something new, but we keep wearing old things. We've been given new life, but we walk in the old. We kind of sit in the line sometimes between the life that Christ has given us and our old ways, the world, the flesh. And we straddle it and it's awkward. It looks awkward if you're looking at it, but it feels awkward to be in it. And you can't sit on a fence for too long because it gets uncomfortable. Paul talks in Ephesians 4 about this contrast between the old and the new. And he talks about what the old looks like and what the new looks like. And as I was looking at this passage and I was was reading through this, I I was challenged. But then I also felt this sense in my spirit that our community needs to hear this word. 
that there are some old things that we are still wearing, some old habits that we are hanging on to, some old beliefs about who we are and who God is that he wants to make new. Paul says this in Ephesians 4 verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Greedy to practice impurity. It is a bleak picture of the state of the world, of the old way of living. So there's three things, and I just want to maybe highlight these kind of three things that are old, and then we're going to talk about what, what Paul says in Ephesians is the new, and then we're going to see what God does. So three things in the old self is uh, futility, alienation, and hedonism. And if you don't know what that word is, I'll explain it. First, though, futility. So Paul says they, they live in the futility of their thinking and the futility of their minds. So, and there's this idea that no matter the intelligence, no matter the plan, no matter the organisation, no matter what, what the world does, what the old way does is ultimately, eternally futile. It doesn't lead to life. In every case, human endeavour, whether it's for good or for ill, without Jesus, ultimately it means nothing. It's futile. And there's a futility in the world's thinking, and, and particularly if we just look at our culture, there's this, there's this kind of assumption that you, you will finish school, you will be your best self, you will go to uni or into a trade or into the workforce and you will love it. And if you don't love it, there must be something wrong with you. And you'll find your life's partner and you will spend your life together. And you'll get a house with a mortgage, but it's manageable because you both work full time until kids come along and then it's awkward and you have to work that out. And then you pay off your house and then you go, now what? Oh, let's get a caravan. You go on a holiday or some holidays or you do whatever the world does. But ultimately, it's all futile. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't give us life. I was talking to someone a, a couple of weeks ago and he said, you know, as far as the world's standard sits, he had everything, but he still wanted to die. And there's this reality that these things don't fulfill. And as Christians, our call is to be dependent on him, on Christ, and Christ alone. And our hope is in his resurrection, not in things, and not in stuff, and not in careers, and not in knowing ourselves, and not in any of that. 
not in our life's partner. Our hope is only in Christ. Don't be caught up in the futility of the world's thinking. The second thing that Paul says here is that in the old way of living, we are alienated from God. There is a separation, an otherness. There is an apartness that we are there and God is here. And if we live in the old, then there is alienation. Sometimes that's just the way we feel and it's not true, but sometimes there is genuine separation from God. The invitation to join God's family is open, but it requires a leaving of the old. God's made a way, as I said this morning and last night and all through Ephesians, for those who were far off to become near. But we have to leave the old behind because it alienates us from God. And it alienates us from community. And it alienates us from unity and from the togetherness that we as Christians get to experience. And further, he argues that the old way, this, this idea of being callous and given over to sensuality, it's, it's this idea of hedonism that the ultimate pursuit of life is pleasure. That the best thing that I could experience is some form of pleasure. And some people pursue that in sex and some people pursue that in food and some people pursue that in experience and there's all these different ways but the world is given over to this pursuit of pleasure where we don't just pursue it but we believe it's our right. It's my right to feel good. It's my right to experience pleasure. In our modern culture, and it sounds like it was the same in Ephesus, sexual promiscuity and impurity is becoming increasingly celebrated. Like it's a good thing. There's glory in what should not have glory. And it's not modern because Paul's writing it to a church 2,000 years ago. The means in which we, you know, do it are modern, but the idea is the same. Pleasure, I think, is the ultimate God of our culture. Don't let it be yours. So these are the old things the old clothes. I'm talking about them quickly because I want to talk about the new stuff, okay? <laughs> this is heavy, but, but we need to deal with it. We need to name it. Futility, alienation, and hedonism. Take them off. Take them off. Because they lead to death. 
because we were dead in our sins. But God, being rich in mercy, has made us alive. He's made you alive. And some of you think you're dead. Some of you, when you hear about Jesus, your eyes are dull. As if I'm talking about accounting. But Jesus has made you alive for life. The old has gone, the new has come. Leave it behind. Leave it behind. Put on the new. This is what Paul says. But that is not the way you learned in Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs in your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self. In some translations, it says, put off the old man, as in your old humanity, get rid of it and put on the new man, become the new human. You were dead in your sins, but you have been made alive in newness, in life. He says, therefore, putting away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbour, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labour, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So put on the new clothes, righteousness and holiness, which means to act in accordance with what God says is right and what God says is good. Paul instructs Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 to flee from sin and pursue righteousness, not to dawdle after it. When you pursue something, there's movement, there's momentum. We're to pursue the rightness and the goodness of God in our lives. This can look like different things. When I was thinking about this, I was reminded of that story in Genesis where Joseph, as a slave in Potiphar's house, is tempted by his wife and he flees from sin. He could have slept with her and probably no one would have known. But he fled from sin. He chose what was right. What does it look like to pursue righteousness? I think it looks like coming together in prayer, it looks like coming together in reading the word. It looks, it looks like not pursuing the things of this world, but pursuing the things of God. Holiness is both 
an individual and a communal pursuit. Truth-telling. Christians are not afraid of the truth because we know the truth and the truth sets us free. We need to be okay to sit in tough conversations. In my flesh, I hate that. I don't want to do that. But by the Spirit at work in me, I've been, you know, learning to do it, being able to do it. But it's not just that. It's not just sometimes we think of truth as this like, oh, I've got to tell the truth to this person. It's a harsh thing. But no, it's not. Truth-telling must be in our communities where we see the positive attributes and the good things in others and we tell them the truth about it. We're Australian. We don't like compliments. Right now, in your pamphlet, write a truth, a positive thing about someone else that you've seen here this weekend. Do it. Write it down and then you can share it with them after. Part of the new self, Paul says, is being angry but in our anger not sinning. He doesn't say you have to suppress and bottle up all your emotions. There's a time for a righteous anger, a holy anger that comes from God, but we don't sin in that anger. We use it to move people towards God, not away from him. We speak well. This is like truth-telling, but our words matter. This convicted me because I'm pretty loose with my words sometimes. I say things I shouldn't. This new life, this new way of living is to encourage one another, to build one another up. Imagine a community where everyone could walk confidently because their brothers and sisters told them the truth about how, who Jesus is and what he's doing in their life, but also encouraged them and built them up. That's a community I'd want to be a part of. Yeah? The last thing here that he kind of lists off are kindness, tenderheartedness, and forgiveness. And um, sometimes we look at maybe traits like kindness and tenderheartedness and we go, well, they're, they're very feminine traits. Men, gentleness is a fruit of the spirit. Kindness is a fruit of the spirit. The way you speak to each other matters. I think I'm just going to speak to the guys for a moment. But girls, you need to hear what they're hearing. It is a hard, confusing time to be a young man. Because On one hand, you get told to be a man. And on the other hand, you get told that men are bad. Young men, the church needs you. But it needs you to model Christ-like masculinity. The Christ who was the Lion of Judah, who defended people that needed it, who protected and welcomed and embraced society's outcasts and women and children. But you also need to be the Jesus or a man like Jesus who was the lamb, who was tender and ultimately sacrificial. The man who had the power as he hung on the cross 
to call down the legions of heaven, but did not. The church needs you to stand up, young men. Because what I'm seeing is there are a lot of young women who are working their butts off, who are pursuing the things of God, who are doing the practical things. And that's amazing. (laughs) But men, you need to stand up into who Christ is calling you to be, to be the protector and also the nurturer, to be gentle and to be kind. And women, you need to call the young men into that. Are you hearing me, boys? Yeah? Okay. The last one is forgiveness, and we could spend a whole weekend talking about forgiveness. <laughs> it's really complicated, and it's really simple at the same time. And there's all kinds of things that get tied up in that. Our posture for forgiveness has to be this. Christ forgave you. You who were dead in your sins. You have been forgiven and you have been made new by the blood of Christ. Learn to accept that. Learn to walk in that. And let Jesus guide you on a journey of forgiveness towards others, which is sometimes really easy and is sometimes really hard. I'm not going to sit in the complications of that tonight. But the new way of living is in forgiveness. So in all of this, there is a, there is a call. A call to you to put off the old way of living and to walk in the new And this isn't easy. It's not convenient. might mean you don't get your caravan. We shouldn't fit into the world so easily that we do it without even thinking. Don't sit on the fence. It's awkward and uncomfortable. If you stay on there too long, you get hurt. There should be a struggle... Like we have to work out our salvation with fear and with trembling. It's not, it's not easy. The Christian life's not easy. But it's a worthy struggle. It's a movement. It's a pilgrimage towards Christ. For some of you guys, there's been some mental battles that have been going on for a long time. I'm not... I'm not a psychologist. I'm not trained in mental health. That's my caveat first. But Jesus sees you. He walks with you. He's given you a sound mind. His peace passes understanding. And he has the best, most creative strategies to work with you in that. Okay? Young women. I've spoken to the men. Now I need to speak to the girls. God loves you so much.
you're not your trauma. You're not your diagnosis. That's not your identity, so don't own that. It sits there, okay? You are a daughter of the King of Heaven. He chose you for adoption in a way that absolutely baffled the world of the time. And he said, daughters, you are my heir. It's not just about the boys. Daughters, you are my heir. I have given to you full access to me as a father. You might feel like what King David calls in the Psalms, like you're in the pit with no way out. But God is with you. He is for you. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit this, this morning. One of those fruits is joy. And a lot of you haven't felt joy for a long time. But I believe that's a fruit that God will grow in this community, among his women, so that the world would see this countercultural womanhood that says things might not look good, but I have a gladness in my heart that exudes out of me because I'm a daughter of the King of heaven. You hearing me, girls? Boys, are you hearing that? They're going to show you the way in joy. Joy is not the opposite of struggle. It's not the opposite of pain. Those things sometimes sit alongside each other. But joy is this gladness, it's this stillness in the depths of your being that the Holy Spirit grows in you as you walk with him. And I believe he will do that. And I believe in the power of prayer for healing. I also believe in the practical work and strategy of counselling. Those things are gifts. God is deeply spiritual and he works in ways that are powerfully practical. And so if you feel stuck and if you feel like there is no way out, there is hope. Because you who were dead have been made alive. And tonight I just feel like there are people here who've forgotten that they are alive because you don't feel alive. But young people, you are alive. So take off the old, walk in the new. And what that looks like for all of you could be really, really different because God is deeply personal. And he works with all of us where we're at. And he also works in all of us as a community. But it's time for some of us to say, enough is enough. The old is done. The new has come. 
I will walk in a pursuit of righteousness. I will walk in the truth, exposing the lies of the enemy. I will speak well to and about others. I will build up my brothers and sisters in the faith, even the ones that make me feel a bit awkward sometimes. So there's a moment tonight where some of you, I think, need to get on your knees before the Father, whether that's literally or in your heart, and confess and repent. And what that means is, what repentance means is to change your mind. Change your mind about your state, that you are not dead, you are alive. Some of you need prayer for strength. And this weekend might feel like a bit of a haven for you and you know what you're going to be walking back into. Some of you need to be reminded that you are a child of God. So what we're going to do now is we're going to pray for each other. And as we pray for one another, we're going to believe together that God will do what he wants to do, that his will will be done, that he will have his way here tonight. That he will take us into a deeper place of knowing him, a deeper place of assurance in who we are, a deeper faith, a deeper sense of togetherness and community. So with the people around you now, just make a circle, stand up, sit on the floor, whatever suits you. This will be awkward, but awkward comes before awesome. Okay? It's true. So let's just start praying for each other. Some of you are really good at this. Some of you, this is like, ah. there's no spiritual gift of prayer, by the way. We all pray. Okay? So gather in a group of two, three, Four, no more than that. Elders, leaders, can you disperse yourself among those groups and start praying? Pray for the new, that the new would come and that the old would pass. Let's do it. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.